Here we go, episode six. Since it is Pride Month or Queer Liberation Month, we're going to talk about queer liberation and queer theology. Um, dedicating this episode to Jennifer Laude, for whom we are still seeking justice, and Ryan Hubilia, who is a worker of Karapatan, also identifies someone who identifies as LGBTQ and killed because of the human rights work that he does in the Philippines in Sorsogon. So this is dedicated to them. Let's get us started. Welcome to the Gumberza podcast, where we explore the intersections of social justice, faith, and action. I hope this helps us continue growing and serving God by serving the people. I am your host, Janelle. Here's things that may be new to you. So we're going to jump into this thing called queer theology, mostly. Um, I know that some folks are looking for things about like how to counter some of the scripture readings that are used to, um, well, the biblical texts that are used to oppress, um, are used to shame, are used to um, hurt and abuse LGBTQ people. Uh, those are known as the clobber passages, like passages that have been used to clobber us over the head. And um, this is not going to be that type of conversation. I feel like over the years, there is a lot out there in terms of countering those specific passages, you know, passages that Paul has written um, that are used against queer people. Um, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah that is constantly used against queer people, all that kind of stuff. That's a larger theological discussion. And that's also a conversation about how you have a relationship with the Bible and how you view the Bible as well. So it's a different kind of conversation than queering or queer theology. So what we're going to talk about here is more so about queer, queering, that term and what it means in action. So queer theology came about through interdisciplinary academic study where folks who are not necessarily doing theology, were writing about queer theory in general and queer liberation in general. And some of that academia, some of those uh, writings and the, the, those approaches have been brought into theology, uh, mostly at the academic level. But it is something that LGBTQ people, queer people are uh, looking at and trying to process within themselves as well. I'm talking about queer people of faith or uh, queer people who practice a certain, uh, who practice religions. So getting to into this term queer, I want to make it clear that I identify as queer myself. I identify as queer. I identify as trans. And um, I've never identified myself as a lesbian. Uh, it was really hard for me to do so. I never associated it with the communities that I rolled with. I always identified it as um, more of a more for like white community for some reason. Uh, I know it's not explicitly how it was defined, but it's mostly based on the surroundings and the communities I rolled with at the time. Queer just always resonated much more with me. It wasn't until I got into seminary um, that I really got to unpack what queer really 
means. I always known what it felt like in my body. I knew that I was queer, but like the theory part of it was something that I didn't really solidify until later. Um, some folks might not know that queer is a term that folks are trying to reclaim. Many people have experienced the word queer as a derogatory uh, remark. People have had it shouted at them in a derogatory way while walking down the street or even being beat up and being called queer. You know, um, a lot of cis white gay men that I have, that I know, that have um, an aversion to this word queer will always bring up their experiences of abuse and being called this name as well which is understandable and I recognize that hurt that they have experienced I've also been called things while walking down the street like chink or been called a lesbo as well uh, while walking down the streets of Long Beach of all places the thing that I have though is that these cis white gay men who have a huge problem with this term queer I see this conversation happening mostly between them and communities of color who wish to use this word queer as an identity. And I've mentioned to some of these folks, these cis gay men, how historically hurtful it is and how historically colonial it is for white men to insist on the labels of others, right? Europeans, the reason I'm called Filipino is because... Europeans, Spain, Spanish came over, named our island group after King Philip, and we had to call ourselves that because I guess our identity is defined by that colonization. Now, I feel like as a Filipino, I've come to a place of reclaiming that, reclaiming that identity as Filipino, but also the term Filipino as well, uh, because I know well, that I, I now associate it with this long history of revolution, with this long history of standing up and resisting oppression. And I feel like queer has kind of that same feel. So while it's a term that is rejected by others, mostly by cis white gay men, in my experience, um, I think communities who are marginalized, communities who are oppressed, should have the right to be able to label themselves and call themselves what they want. And I feel like it's a... Uh, empowering thing for folks to be able to do this after being named by other people, being named by people in dominant culture. So queer is that label for me. Um, yes, for myself. It's also considered an umbrella, but it, it, it really is a non-label label. Queer is a label that is used to um, break outside of the traditional labels and mostly binary labels of straight and gay lesbian and straight uh, of male female queer is a term that is meant to not necessarily be a defining term um and then there is a difference between people who identifying as queer and as gay you know throughout the years it seems like there has been more political implications around what it means to be queer um especially around the gay community wanting to be uh, assimilated into a heteronormative um, institution, in particular the struggle for um, gay marriage, marriage equality, has been seen as a gay middle, upper middle class or middle class um, 
struggle, whereas queer people, um, it has been an anti-imperialist struggle. It has been about revolution. If you look at the people who founded Pride, the folks who who started the riots at Stonewall, these weren't folks who were fighting for um, marriage and the privileges of being in a heteronormative society. These were people who were fighting for the rights to be themselves as they were and as we are. Um, and in all of the diversity that that means. So um, some of my friends... We'll, when we talk about folks, we'll, we'll ask about their political stance. One of the things we'll ask is, are they queer or are they gay? And then we kind of know what we're referring to when we say one thing or the other. There's sort of a political consciousness that goes with the word queer. Um, as I mentioned before, queer being a non-label label or a term that transcends terms Queering is an act as well, and it's something, it's not only an uh, intellectual act, but it can also be one that is put into practice as well. Queering is this idea of transcending binaries. As I mentioned before, transcending labels. It's a non-label label. And um, part of that is because binaries are seen as, and have been used as oppressive tools, especially in the context of empires, where empires are constantly trying to divine who is rich, who is poor, who is worthy, who is unworthy, who is sinful, who is clean. A lot of these kind of binaries have been used to oppress people, oppress certain communities, and uplift others. Queering is the idea of stepping outside of that, not even being held to binaries, not being defined by these binaries, not even recognizing that there are only binaries, but that there are spectrums, there are things that are wider, there are things that transcend. And I really feel like this steps into a spiritual space. This whole thing of queering necessitates us to go to a spiritual space because it's countering um, these oppressive ways that our material world and our capitalist world, currently capitalist world, defines people and categorizes people and categorizes who is worthy of being quote-unquote successful and who is unworthy, who is worthy of having all their needs met and who is not. The This past Sunday, it was actually, was it this past Sunday? I don't know if this Sunday or two Sundays ago, but Trinity Sunday had just passed. So for those of us Christians who are following the lectionary text or the um, scripture readings that we're supposed to be following um, every Sunday, we talked about God as the Trinity. And although it's not a biblical concept, it's not, you know, it's never mentioned in the Bible that God is three in one, that God, that there is a Trinity or that God is a triune God. Those things aren't explicitly mentioned in the Bible, but it's a doctrine that came from the Nicaea Council uh, back in, was that the 1300s, right? No, wait, earlier than that, right? Anyway, 300s. All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Uh, Anyway, is the doctrine that came back during those theological conversations where uh, empire was trying to encourage the church as an institution to unite on some ideas. And because of that, some of us have come away with an idea of God that is very um, restrictive. You know, we have Father, Son, 
Holy Spirit. But I wonder if we could queer this idea, queer this concept of God as Trinity as permission for us to see God as neither this or that, as neither male or female, as neither spirit or human, as neither, you know, all of these things, but seeing, giving us permission to see God as whatever God is and however God enters into our lives. God can embody many genders, can embody many species, many parts of creation. God can be so many things. And I think if we can draw the beauty from the Trinity, we can do it by queering it in this way, by saying it's not about these three particular labels, but it's about these folks who are trying to define God, who is so big and at the same time so intimate that God was beyond words and beyond labels. Jesus is someone who um, I also see as someone who is queering as well, queering society in the sense that his ideas, the things that he dedicated his life to really um, confronted and rubbed up or rubbed up against the traditional roles of men and masculinity during that time. Now we can go all conspiracy theory and talk about whether Jesus had a wife, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But if we're looking just at his ministry on its own, he did a lot of things that were not acceptable at the time for men and for Jewish people and for people of his socioeconomic class. Jesus, in the sense, queers because he goes beyond the expectations of what society has attempted to put upon him. Sorry, that was my... That was my phone. I have a landline. Hang on. All right. So Jesus is a spiritual, um, spiritual role model in the sense of being able to queer what it means to be a man and what it means to be a man in his time and in his context. I also want to share with you, um, this is not sponsored or anything like that, but one podcast that has been giving me a lot of life lately is the Bruce Lee podcast. It's put together by Bruce Lee's daughter and um, Shannon Lee and Sharon Lee, who is a CMO of the Bruce Lee Foundation, where they've been talking about Bruce Lee's philosophies. And one thing that I appreciate about Bruce Lee's philosophies is this idea of Jeet Kune Do, which was about, um, it was a martial art form, but it was, he he wanted to create a formless form, if that makes sense. He wanted to create a martial art that wasn't confined by certain frameworks and by certain ways of being, but was able to grow, was able to adapt, and was able to be more and more efficient, you know? Something that was alive, something that, um, something that wasn't held captive by a container. And, um, that for me is a very, it sounds like a very spiritual concept. And if y'all don't know that much about Bruce Lee, he's a very philosophical, spiritual person in that sense. And I feel like when you get to a certain level of um, engaging with spiritual conversation, of engaging in your spiritual growth, you get to a point where you will naturally start querying things in the world. You'll start noticing how we weren't built to live within the confines that society has placed upon us. And as such, it requires us to grow as spiritual people because we're being then called to transcend 
um, these labels. We're being called to transcend the expectations that the world has put upon us. It's a constant encounter um, with a world that is not spiritually mature, with a society that keeps us from being spiritually mature and relationally uh, mature from each other. And it's also a product of our socioeconomic context, you know, where many queer people and trans people are not having their basic needs met, are not able to live as they are, are not able to make a livelihood. Um, then you have no choice but to queer your world, but to navigate the world differently and in a way that maybe the world does not approve of. Now, these ways of navigating navigating can be hurtful to our communities, but there are also ways that we can queer um, how we navigate in a way that is healing, in a way that is uplifting, in a way where we can reclaim the wholeness of who God made us. Queering counters empire. Queering inevitably encounters empire because empire is constantly wanting to push certain boundaries, certain borders upon us, certain truths upon us um, that we are able, we're easily, more easily able to be rounded up, we're more easily able to be divided, that we're more easily able to be pulled into and dependent on empire. Queering reminds us that we are fighting for our liberation and that our fight for liberation means transcending and double-thinking all of these ideas that have been placed upon us from the time that we have been in the womb until now as we continue to live our lives. I hope that we use our identities as ones that are uplifting. I hope we use this idea of queering as one that brings liberation and that helps us build healthy relationships with one another and with all those in the world. Um, so, thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please share, please subscribe, leave a review, and um, hopefully I'll get back on this sooner than later. Peace out, y'all. Serve Christ, serve the people.